just a bunch of witty bitches. It's my papa. Hey, I'll have a quick. You'll have a quick. We'll put that for a quick. It's just cadals. Pero pepo. Pero pepo pepo. Pero pepo. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Witty Banter, episode number 77. Introducing, in no particular order, the co-host with absolute equality, Hunter Dorsett. <laughs> How's it going? I love that oh, intro. That's no. really nice. Yeah. And then bringing up the also perfectly equal co-host is Max Scott. <laughs> uh, last one mentioned, as usual. Hey. And ending on the equal co-host, it's me, Chase Williams. This is the only way you can introduce the show from now on. That's actually yeah. I think yeah, I think fact. that's that's uh, what that we e- need to really get kicked off on equal footing. Yeah, verbatim. I now so I feel too. like I I'm a part of the show. I feel like I'm a peer. I feel like I'm ready to go. <laughs> it took a while to get you, get us there. Well, yeah. it is a late night for us. We usually get started a couple hours before this, but here we are. We're doing it big, and we're ready to review a fucking beer. Yeah. And now Oktoberfest is underway over there in the Deutschlands. So we decided. To do a little Oktoberfest theme here on the Witty Banter. The next few beers that Witty Banter is going to be rebu- reviewing will be Oktoberfest beers. And at the end of the little Oktoberfest stint, we're going to pick a favorite. Mm. So, what are we drinking today? So today, we are drinking the Haas Oktoberfest Rye Lager. And it is from Great Divide Brewing Company. And a we've had a few Great Divide Brewing Company ones on here, and they've actually always turned out to be pretty solid, would you say? Was Jay? Great Divide Brewery not the first brewery we did? It was Titan, I believe, right? Yeah. Titan uh, IPA. 100%. Oh, it was. yeah. I remember okay. that from the review questions. <laughs> so it's cool. We got a little plaid, like, uh, lumberjack presence on here. You got a guy with a pipe and an axe, and like a, it looks like a flannel can. Mm. I'm digging it. Very this, is, beer. this is the brawny man in a single beer can. Yeah. It's what okay. the brawny man drinks. Is that is that reminiscent of Germany, Chase, would you say? Or is that just kind of their own flicker on it? I think it's their own flicker. You know, <laughs> when I when I think Germany, I don't think a hammer wielding pipe smoking man. <laughs> um, and I don't think of black and red plaid either, but <laughs> what the flavors have been quite reminiscent of Germany. Okay. So it's 6.2% alcohol by volume. And when I go to their website, uh, it says Haas is based on the Martzen. I think that's, I'm not saying it right. Lagers Mar- of Germany. It has a couple of uh, notes on like flavors. I'm going to skip that. And I'm going to go right to Haas finishes crisp and dry. And it's brilliant red orange color is a toast to the sunsets that make the perfect drap- backdrop for this beer. So, um, it's gotten a bunch. It's gotten some awards. Uh, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, World Cup Beer Cup Bronze, or the World Beer Cup Bronze Medal for a World rye. Cup Beer Cup, dude. The World Cup Beer Cup. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they have a veal bratwurst as one of the food pairings for it. That's that's mm. kind of seems maybe obvious. It's fitting. Yeah. So uh, y'all taking a little a little sniffy, sniffy. I have poo? taken a sniffy. I've taken a tasty. I gotta say. <laughs> So far, it's subdued, and it might be just because mine is very cold. I have been refrigerating my beers as of late, which sounds obvious, but sometimes when you're in a hurry, you forget to put them in the fridge. For sure. Mine, yeah. immediately the rye is giving me some spice just in the mouthfeel, you know, towards the end of the, uh, the flavor profile, because of course when you get like rye whiskey, that's really hot mm-hmm. grain, you know. 
Um, and it smells kind of like a typical, just uh, spicy sort of what you would expect in a Merton. But I can't give you anything specific yet. I do know it's easy to drink, and I've enjoyed my first sips, though. Hmm. I've taken a sip. Uh, I think just with the last few beers that we've had, we've had these very like long and drawn-out flavor profiles where I feel like on this one, it kind of comes in real quick and just dives out right afterwards. But that heat, like you're talking about from the rye, is definitely still there. Um, mine, honestly, I left it out for like an hour before drinking it. I mean, it hasn't like warmed up too much. But even at this point, I don't feel like a lot of these tasting notes are like coming through. So maybe after it warms up a little bit more. I think just the fact that it's a rye lager will probably speak for itself later on you know this guys this is really straightforward <laughs> it's, it's quite straightforward indeed my friend i'm just gonna say uh when, when i poured it up and i think with max as well um it didn't seem extremely carbonated very little head on it um it's got a really nice look to it man you can see right through it it's a pretty orange uh not yeah, filtered it, yeah i can i can dig the, the look very filtered i guess i should say um so, but yeah, I guess, you know, I, I always had this preconception that when you drink like an Oktoberfest beer, that there's going to be this kick of pumpkin in the face, you know? And it, I don't know why I thought that, just because I just associate October with Halloween and pumpkins and all this shit. But, um, but that being said, I mean, I feel like there's not like a super specific tinge of flavor that I'm getting, I do get that sort of like hotness from in the mouthfeel and in the rye or whatever. But um, I was kind of expecting it to go a little bit more left field or something. But it's it's I hate saying it. It's just a little more simple and straightforward than I than I would have <laughs> expected it to be. Yeah. Well, what do you guys? Since we're going to be reviewing Oktoberfest beers, when you think Oktoberfest beer, what are what are you guys kind of expecting? Like, what's a good Oktoberfest beer to to each of you? I was about to try to come in and ask the common man a question because <laughs> you were like, when I drink Oktoberfest beers, I think of pumpkin and I don't like necessarily think of that. But when I feel, when I hear Oktoberfest, I feel like, like a lager or like a darker, easier to drink, like a manly man's drinkable beer is how I always kind of thought of it. Mm -hmm. Like big fucking huge, uh, just like Dicks. Cups. Glass. <laughs> yeah. It's like a liter. You're saying like, yeah, like a liter of a fucking liter. beer and they're like slamming glasses together and rah, like yeah, throwing them back. Yeah, a festive beer. Very festive beer, but I'm not sure what tasting notes I'm like thinking about. What about you, so. Chase? I mean, I said, I said, uh, I said pumpkin. What do you get? Or like, what do you think of? What's happening yeah. over there, by the I way? I think maybe that pumpkin for you is just coming from the fact that like pumpkin beers and Oktoberfest beers kind of come out in the same time period, you yes. know, and they're both... They're both kind of celebrating the same season. Um, but no, what I look for is, you know, usually that's going to be a lager, which means you get you get the uh, it's fermented at a colder temperature. It has a flavor, a body that's going to last much shorter than what an ale would. So it doesn't hang around in your mouth, which means it's going to be much more drinkable. So I like my Oktoberfest beers to be kind of lower in alcohol, um, really easy to just quaff. And I just want like a little bit of some sweet malt in there and then some spice to kind of kick it up a little bit. When I say spice, I mean things like nutmeg um, and like allspice and kind of those more uh, fall type 
uh, uh, notes, I guess, that you would think of. That's kind of what, what I look for. So you don't mean spice like a hatched chili pepper? <laughs> yeah, yeah don't, not like a, a, some salsa in your, in your glass <laughs> or anything. Tomatillo. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think that that sort of, I mean, I know that you said subdued, and I think that's a really good word for it, but, um, I mean, it does, I think it's a really smooth mouthfeel. And I feel like it does have that little twinge of hotness. I mean, it's cold, literally, in temperature right now. So I'm going to wait for it to kind of, uh, you know, ease and mellow out. But I think as it as it sort of opens up, I think it'll get a little bit more of that spice coming through and, and you know, kind of tingle the, the bits a little <laughs> well, bit more. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're going to try to tingle your bits here tonight on episode number 77. Let's go ahead and get right into the news that this is Witty Banter. There it is. Nice. All right. We got quite, thank you. We got <laughs> quite a few uh, news stories here. It's been a pretty decent week for news. I'm leaving out some noticeable ones. We're not going to get to be talking about Elon Musk's Mars comments, which he's been throwing out there. I kind of want to save. More of the space talk to, for when we do that episode at NASA, which hopefully will be in this coming month. Okay. First one from Eurogamer.net. We got a good mix of gaming. We got a good mix of non-gaming to th- today. Good. Nice. Everybody can stay. Everybody can listen <laughs> to this podcast. You're all yeah. welcome. Yeah. We're going to tingle your bits. All right. <laughs> Everybody's... <laughs> your brain <laughs> bits. The, uh, the title is NetherRealm Addresses Concern Around Injustice 2's New Gear System. And I wanted to do this one because we talked about uh, a few weeks ago their introduction of this gear system to this game because Max and I think Hunter, you also played a bit of Injustice as well. We like that game. And, and it reads, Injustice 2 developer NetherRealm has addressed concern around the fighting game's new gear system. Injustice 2 has loot, where different items can drop after a fight. The gear can include stats that affect gameplay, for example, a damage increase for environmental interactions. Quote, we, anticipate, we anticipated what some of the hesitation might be from players and are, developing intelligent, and, and are developing intelligently to deliver something which will hopefully appeal to all of our fans, whether you're a hardcore fighting game enthusiast or a more casual fan. End quote. NetherRealm's Brian Goodman told Eurogamer in an interview with EGX. He says, quote, there's been a lot of discussion how to best communicate this because we are obviously throwing a bit of a monkey wrench in the works as far as some fighting game purists might find. We're doing things to make sure people who want a pure fighting game can get that. He goes on to say, we're creating modes where it's even, where it's an even playing field and you can gear up for aesthetic reasons, but your character stats are an even plane. We also have modes where your gear actually impacts your strength, which is a whole new focus of strategy. I wanted to throw that in there because, Max, you and I's immediate concerns were, how is this going to affect the balance of the game and is it going to make it um, sort of unable to be a competitive fighting game? And it looks like they're going to have a mode where they're addressing that. Yeah, I mean, that was what I expected them to do and what is the smart thing to do. I mean, dude, it's a fine idea. It's totally cool to add, like, an armor system, you know, into the game to just make it a little bit more, just something a little bit more for a casual gamer to get behind and to, like, change up and make it a little bit more fun. But what really, really comes down to competitive play, as long as there's a mode and an online set of modes where that's not a factor in the gameplay, then it's totally fine to have that in there too. Like they can both be in there, but it's not ever going to be a part of competitive play. And I think they're kind of admitting that by saying this is like, Hey, hold on. There's going to be like an actual section where it doesn't actually do anything where the armor actually doesn't affect your, your character at all. So don't worry if you want to actually like 
go to tournaments and take this game a little bit more seriously. Hmm. Yeah. Sure. I, I was just going to say, it seems uh, just from a business perspective, sort of difficult. It seems like the, like being a video game developer for fighting games where you have sort of this, I'm sure there's middle ground, but it seems like there is like a very stark um, set of audiences that you're trying to appeal to, where you're trying to bring in new people and um, appeal to, you know, the casual gamer. But then there is also this like purist uh, ideology that you have to follow. Do you guys feel like there are really good examples of games that can find happy mediums between the two? Or do you feel like it's sort of all or nothing in one way or the other? Well, when it comes to Nether Realms compared to a lot of other fighting games, they've been really good. I mean, they're the best selling fighting games, I'm pretty sure, for the most part. I mean, I don't think anything's beaten oh, yeah. either Milli- of the last Millions of copies Mortal for Mortal yeah. Kombat. Like, yeah. Casual gamers get behind these games for sure, 100%. But that yeah. being and said... Also, and also with Injustice, you've got the DC license behind it, yeah. which is huge for a lot of people. They're going to play that game specifically for the DC characters. Has so. Mortal Kombat gotten a lot of purist popularity, though, from, from people in competitive fighting arenas? or? I mean, no. I mean, I think that it's its own sector of games because when you have the FGC and you have fighting game, the fighting game community, it's usually people that play, like, a street fighter and then there's people that are going to play Tekken and there's people that are going to play the nether realm games essentially. Hmm. It's like those three. And like, while they do bleed over into each other a little bit for the most part, there's like the player, the like the top players are the players that only play nether realm games for the most part. Yeah. Um, because they're just super different. And I think that the purist wouldn't find these games to be that um, like competitive or however you want to word that. I think that when you think of a purist, you definitely shoot to like street fighter two is like the most pure fighting game there ever is. And like ever will be. And then when you bring in all this other stuff, that's just like these chain combos, things that aren't like executionally as hard, but they're more like flash and, you know, finesse and pizzazz, you know, (laughs) to the, the scene like looks better, you know, like that's where their focus is. Um, well, do you feel like Nether Realms is with this Injustice game is sort of straddling? Well, no, they're... because with Mortal Kombat, they've always been super duper. It's like when they developed the game and they made the game, they said, let's like put the casual gamer first. I think that they always thought that, that like everybody should be able to play this game. But after they've released the games, I've always noticed that they put a lot into keeping the competitive scene alive. Because hmm. for the most part, dude, I mean you wouldn't consider a lot of these nether realm games to be that competitive, but when it comes to like prize pools, they're some of the biggest ones because one like, or honestly the only real reason that they're that big is because nether realm gets behind them and puts these huge pop bonuses in them. Is it and because they, they're successful from bringing in all those other honestly kinds yeah, of players? They have the expendable income and it's almost a really smart move in that sense because you're promoting the competitive scene so you're keeping your like your respect alive in that sense you know what i mean yeah you're you're a respected game but you're also like the best selling game at the same time you know yeah. so i mean honestly i think it's it's i'm going to get the game i think it's cool i loved injustice 1 i thought it was like a fucking good time it's a very nether realms game it like came around for a year and that it fucking, fucking left, game, man. you know, that fucking game. When Solomon Grundy gets fucking announced, I can't wait. What to a, just what put a, your what a shit horrible in. character. 
That was. Was he, dude? Because I never see anybody winning tournaments with him, but you know, I kinda definitely wish some that yeah. there was like you know how Armageddon just had such a great create a character model? Yeah. I wish is there any sort of fighting game that has that where you can bring your own characters to the fold? There really isn't, but there is one that's coming out soon yeah. that has something similar. And it's it's different in the sense I can't wait for this game. It's called Absolver. Yeah. I'm and if you're listening now, sure. you need to go look Absolver out. Yeah. And the way this is a you're it's a third person game. And you basically create a deck of custom you 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 customize your fighting style. And you also customize the way you look and you have like a stamina bar. It's kind of slow and plotting instead of like really quick execution. So it's very much in this in the vein of like when I looked at it and don't let this turn you off. It looked like how PVP and Dark Souls looks where it's like everyone kind of has their armor and their big swords. And it's really just about landing those one or two hits that are going to get you in for the kill. Um, just go look up online YouTube Absolver gameplay from the developers. I watched like an hour of these guys play it, and they really get into the nitty gritty of how the system works. And I've never seen a fighting game ever like the systems behind it are different than anything I've ever seen. It and it looks like you're it looks like a kung fu movie, and it's mm. fucking sick, dude. I would love to see that game take off. I think when Hunter heard the word deck. Of <laughs> cards. He immediately perked yeah. up and said, "Okay, I can get behind this game." I also like that you said that it's not entirely like reaction based. You know? No. Yeah. It's like it's, I just don't have those. I mean, I I have decent at best reactionary skills when it comes to. Well, that it's just not like fast reactions. Well, yeah, I like that, no, yeah. but I also I feel you, man, because I I am someone who in video games would say I have great react reaction times. I think you do as well when you think of something like Guitar Hero, how quickly you're able to analyze the few notes ahead of you and react to those. And then I also think about how quickly I can move on a dime in Halo. But when I'm in street, when I'm playing Street Fighter. And someone jumps at me, like I just freeze, you know. Yeah. It's, and it's just because there's so much going on in that game that that is occupying my brain, you know. Because yeah. like in Halo, every movement is just a complete reaction. It's muscle memory, and that's not the way it is yet for me in, in fighting games. But no, I agree. I think there's it's it's interesting how different games can affect your reaction times because of the way you have to think about them and if they're foreign or not foreign to you, you know. Mm. For sure. Yeah, I'll check it out. That sounds fun. I can't cool. wait for Injustice too. I think it's, it's <laughs> going to be a good time. It's going to be a nice little change up. Okay, I think so too. Yeah, we'll 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 catch up to that in the segment. Yeah, but yeah, I'm we'll... I'm on a fighting game kick, man. All right, <laughs> this one comes from Kutaku, and the headline is the Philadelphia 76ers buy two esports teams, and it Shit. reads. Hot off of one of the worst seasons in NBA history, the Philadelphia 76ers invest in a different sport entirely. The team has purchased controlling stakes in team, and forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, Dignitas and Apex, merging them into a single esports team managed and maintained by the professional sports organization. Team Dignitas, an esports powerhouse founded in 2004, and League of Legends' star team Apex are merging into a single entity under the Dignitas name, with the 76ers handing all aspects of day-to-day management, sales, merchandising, marketing, branding, and publicity. Team Dignitas manager Greg Richardson will serve as chairman of the combined team. This The move makes the Philadelphia 76ers, 76ers and its ownership the first t- traditional sports team to own an esports team. I just wanted to bring this up real quick. You know, we kind of follow the growth of esports in a very loose way on this show, and I thought it was something else to add to the conversation. Um, I want to get your first takes real quick, and then I have a follow up question for you guys. 
So the fact that they bought them. So from my exposure to like what a sponsor essentially does is like, Hey man, we'll pay for your like living, you know, like we'll pay for your house. We'll pay for your, your flying trips and we'll pay for your food. We'll keep you alive, but you gotta, <laughs> you gotta wear my shirt that says, you know, mm-hmm. so-and-so controllers, you mm-hmm. know? And that's why, that's why we want you. That's why we sponsor you. So people, will I don't see know why play. so-and-so controllers hasn't taken off, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but so what is the, the pull that the 76ers like? I'm, I mean, when I talk about esports, I only really am that exposed to the FGC for the most part, which isn't terribly big. Right. So I'm not sure what the pull is really in uh, these big League of Legends tournaments. I mean, I'm sure it's huge, but no, I mean, yeah, is it the same sure as like big, like like ticket I mean, sales it, and stuff? Or like it says hey. it, it says here the 76ers will be handling all aspects of day to day management, sales, merchandising, marketing, branding, and publicity. So do people so, go out and buy like? Dignitas jerseys and stuff like I, I honestly don't even know at this point because from they might going forward yeah from what I know about like these esports I thought it was like pretty much all these giant twitch views and like the ads and stuff that you put on that is where all that fucking money comes sort from sort of right? vertically integrated kind of yeah very pretty simple in that but I don't know I didn't know if maybe that like they're trying to promote the 76ers in this way or are they trying to just be like hey look our team is fucking trash since Iverson left so mm-hmm. we don't give a fuck <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's do something else instead. You know what I mean? So I'm not sure what that does. But I think that's fucking awesome that because that amount of money, even if you're like the worst team in the NBA, having that financial backing is better than fucking any other yeah. esports sponsor that I can think of. I, for sure in the FGC by multitudes, but I'm sure it's really good too when it comes to like these League of Legends uh, sponsorships and stuff. Obviously, if they bought the two, I know Apex, and I don't even fucking watch. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, League of Legends. I know Team Apex. So that's fucking crazy. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's um, it shows signs of validity to the esports community, and you could think about that in two different ways. You could think about it either as I don't really know who the owner of the Seventy Sixers is. Um, it might be a, 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 a oligo- oligopoly of people or something. Probably just one dude. But usually, those guys are pretty business savvy. They got lots of money. And I don't think that they're just going to sink their money into something that's not going to be a decent investment for them. And considering that we continually go back to uh, the gaming sector having this, you know, incredible growth that is not matched in other, um, you know, parts of the like investment, uh, just other industries in general, right? uh, Yeah. yeah, Other industries, other sectors, like this 10% growth, thing year over year that it's been going through um it sort of validates that there are people that are starting to get it's catching their eye and they're they're investing money in that now uh it also you know sort of validates it as a sport that you have a a um you know high dollar huge organization that's willing to get behind something and and fully support it on uh the basis of it being a competitive um, you know, endeavor that people are going to be watching and tuning into. Um, the only, the only, I guess, counter validity that I would think is you wonder if it's going to start being micromanaged and political and, 
Um, like if the people from the top aren't really going to understand the culture, or the community that goes with these sports, it's a fucking weird culture, man. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you wonder, the heart of the game. Is you wonder if they that. even really know like what they're getting into. And like, if that money is going to be, um, like going towards stuff in a way that they thought it would be basically, or if they're going to, if how much of a learning experience it'll be for those people. So, I think I think it's just an interesting frontier, you know. They're pioneering something, and I, I, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask real quick, you know, with this potential one being an historic article in the sense that it's a major sports organization purchasing purchasing a esports team, um, and maybe a first step into a grander esports is grander place in just a cultural like acceptance, and maybe more people this coming to the mainstream or what have you, what video game would you guys want to pick as the most popular mainstream game that ended up having ubiquity like across television or... Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean... Because I think it's tough for me to think of one, honestly, because I think you got to think of a few things. Like you need... You need a simplicity so that anyone who turns it on can get understand what's happening fairly soon like when when you watch football, it's pretty obvious that they're trying to get to the other side of the field. Right. But you need the depth that's there that can sustain years and years and years of evolution and and play as well. And so, I mean, I think I, I originally I thought something like League of Legends or Dota actually would probably be the best candidate, even though I don't watch it. That's one of the most complex and just gameplay driven games out there but i will say i don't it's not obvious at all what the fuck is happening when you're watching it for the first time yeah. what do, what do you guys think well i think it's funny that you brought that up because i remember listening to another podcast talk about how at one of the last league of legends streams they had two streams where one was like a stream for people who knew what the fuck was happening <laughs> And then the other stream was literally one where it was just like For baby time. You know what I mean? Like, and then he casts a spell that does plus two. So that means he will be able to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it's kind of interesting that you brought that up. Obviously, my first choice would just be to go to Street Fighter because when I hear you say like, hey, man, it's got to be something that's obvious what's going to happen on the screen, but it still has like that hidden depth. I don't think Street Fighter has the depth, man. You don't think so? Well, I mean, Street uh, Fighter Five is kind of like a, a tricky, tricky choice. Because I don't think of like Street Fighter Five necessarily when I say Street Fighter. Because yeah. but when I say like, dude, Ultra Street Fighter Four was one hundred percent there. You knew what yeah. was happening. Well, I feel I'm like watching, I'm watching, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely that's for later. We'll talk about it. I definitely feel like Street Fighter has depth. I just don't think that people that don't get that depth can get as excited about it. It's almost like the depth could be too hidden. Yeah, it's like yeah. I think that's what makes football so great, and why Americans latch onto it because. There's lots of big hits and lots mm-hmm. of big plays and like it's very acrobatic in a lot of senses. But there's also a lot of planning and you know there's there's a lot of just inherent uh, yeah like profoundness in what's going on behind the scenes as well. I think the mental side of football gets lost a lot and like much of the game is usually won before you even hit the field. You know, and I think yeah. that's lost in a lot of people. Yeah. So so I, I do think that there needs to be a bit of just like glary flashiness with whatever game is going to really hit uh the big sh- the you know the big time uh and I don't really know what that would be. I don't know what type of game would bring that to the forefront. I mean like my immediate thing was just like Guitar Hero. 
But I don't think that that would be invigorating enough. I would watch it. I you you would? Oh, well, I'd watch. Yeah, I'd watch the big. See, I, I think Hero. I would, but just because I've had such a past with Guitar Hero. Oh, it's one hundred percent just my bias yeah, towards nostalgia. It. Um, and I, you know, fighting games come up, but I think that's just because you know I've had exposure and heard lots about the fighting game community, and and I've gotten to indirectly experience the uh, the culture that's there, so. I think a big thing that I would like to push to is that I appreciate watching tournaments of games that have like one single screen to watch. Cause that always kind of like, I never got behind watching counter strike streams as much as I liked the game. And as much as I like shooting games, it's hard for them to, yeah. Like you're shooting through different perspectives and stuff. And like, that's cool. But when it's not one big plaque to watch, like when you watch a football game, it's one mush of people. Yeah. And they're all doing something and they're all mushing around and like, that's all you really have to focus on. So when you watch, and that's why I like fighting games because it's, it's one fucking screen that you're watching at least 2d fighting games. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's tangential and it doesn't directly answer your question, but I would love if there was a poker like, uh, backing for magic, the gathering man. Like, Oh man, that would honestly be fucking super cool. Like seriously. I mean, I would really like to watch, like you see what cards they have and how they're planning to play it and all that kind of stuff. Like, hey, that's on YouTube right now, man. It is, but I, it's so like it's fucking very, pathetic. very niche, <laughs> very niche. It would be cool to, to make it cool and give it production value. It'd be cool if it was cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very true. <laughs> what would you say, Chase? Yeah. As far as like an esports game you'd like to blow up? I mean. It's tough. Like I, I try to think of like maybe I, I always enjoyed watching Halo. I thought Halo was yeah. an amazing competitive game to watch, but I think it does bring up the problem. I think you're right. I think it's a good point to to say that when you're jumping perspective, sometimes that can be a bit jarring. At the same time, uh, MOBAs usually have you're watching a spectator mode, and you everyone is watching the same screen. I think MOBAs are our best bet right now. But if I could throw one in there just for fucking curveball's sakes, I would say DBZ Budokai. Dude, what the fuck? I swear to God. I was just thinking, okay, no. So what I was talking about before when it comes to fighting games is that you were watching this 2D screen, and I said specifically 2D fighters. But that's the biggest problem that I always thought of with Tenkaichi, like just (laughs) tweaking that game and making it a fucking competitive game, right? Mm -hmm. All you got to do is just tweak some stuff, right? Yeah, because it was close. Yeah, it was but, close. and you would go three over two, right? I would go three over okay. two. Um, but I think that's what, fucking why? no. Two had the two had the all direction heavy attack that you had to block. That was way more fun. I don't think so because you could duck in three, which meant that you could whiff the left and right made okay. you whiff if all you right. could duck. We just by the time we got there, we had kind of gotten bored of the game. But <laughs> I'm saying, dude, if they did that, if there was like some way that you could have the two players play on their screens and then also have a spectating like view of the like fight a molded view that was yeah just both a molded them. view of the fight for them to go through for a spectator mode exactly and i i think that, that would be fucking awesome that would be the perfect fucking game oh my <laughs> god i would do anything bandai <laughs> to make a fucking competitive dbc <laughs> budokai tenkaichi 4 i swear to god i'll quit my job right now i will move my family out there it'll be great You're gonna go platinum care. dude yeah dude yeah fuck street fighter forever i swear to god <laughs> oh man well, that's funny you said that because the second you said spectator mode, I was like DBZ three or DBZ. I didn't know if that was a meatball. To, to I thought of it too. I just, I just didn't want to, you know, 
just just throw out something that might not be a legitimate item because we were already talking about fighting games and stuff. So yeah. that's the only one I really like. God, I really enjoyed. I fucking love that game. Yeah, so much. Yeah. All right, this next one, you know. The presidential debate just happened, and I figured we'd go ahead and add some political talk to the show because we're kind of really wanting some of that right now. Are we? The U.S. <laughs> we are. comes from courts. It says the U.S. Congress finally found something it could agree on: craft beer. What? And it reads: the U.S. Congress is poised to pass a measure that would reform how federal taxes are levied on the beer industry, making it cheaper for craft brewers to get their products to consumers. Shit! This week. Enough lawmakers in both houses of Congress co-sponsored twin bills that would lower the excise tax on brewers large and small for the first time in 40 years. The growth in the number of craft breweries in America since the 1980s forced mammoth brewers such as Anheuser-Busch to rethink how they appeal to customers. It's no longer enough for them to trot out an array of light beers. Now they have to offer an assortment of styles to keep up with the creativity of smaller craft brewers. The decrease in the excise tax will make it easier for craft brewers to enter the market and, again, intensify the pressures faced by the biggest producers. Just want to throw this one in there. This one actually came by suggestion from a listener of ours, Garrett Brown. Thank you so much, Garrett, for bringing this to my attention. And if you ever want to have a news story read on the show, shoot us an email, wittybantershow at gmail.com, or tweet at me or the show. We'd be happy to do that. But I thought this was a kind of a fun, a fun one to bring up. Uh, I think it's good for... A hobby that we enjoy, and we're a beer-themed show. I want to throw that in there. Oh yeah. Is it expensive to be a little baby baby craft brewery? Is it? Is that tough? I think it's always expensive to be a small business. So. Yeah. Yeah, but I, like honestly, the way I think about it now is like, dude, there's so many craft beers to where I didn't realize that that was like an issue. An issue. You know what I mean? Like I didn't realize that that was. That was tough. Well, I think some places make it hard. Like uh, for a long time um, in Austin, it, they made it incredibly diff- uh, difficult just through their legislation to be able to uh, brew and sell beer there. Hmm. Um, and just recently, I think they passed legislation that made it a lot bigger, and now it's becoming a, this huge now thing. It's this huge yeah, fucking it's, it's city. It's one now. of the biggest places um, in Texas to be doing beers right now. I'm I'm surprised that this isn't something that's taken care of at the state level. You know, um, that that the national Congress feels that they can pass a national thing um, on this because it seems like this would be largely driven by. Um, constituents of states like if there is a call for that in a certain state then that state legislation would maybe lower the taxes for that Um, but I mean I can totally get behind the cause I mean anything that's going to make more people be able to create what they want to create and not have to deal with as much BS tax, you know? Yeah. I mean, I can it has our it. support. Yeah. We'll drink it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll drink your beer just, on the show. And just real quick to your earlier point, Max, I'm going to butcher the uh, statistic, but I, my friend Chris would always tell me that like, I think there's only around half the amount of breweries in U- the U S now as there were before prohibition. So even though it seems like we have this abundance and this explosion of craft beer, which we do, I, it, I think the kind of consensus is like, we're still not where we were. And that's not to say that back then all of those breweries were pumping yeah. out like super unique craft <laughs> beers. I was going to say distribution and stuff has changed though. Now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but yeah, still. I just thought it was worth mentioning. Cool. All right. Our well, last business. news story comes from PCGamer.com, and it reads, No Man's Sky is being investigated by the Advertising Standards Authority. Are you serious, man? 
Saying and that they lied? Is that why? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you <laughs> Well, you know, if I could just get to the yeah, fucking Yeah, if you could tell me. Story. What are you talking about? What's the story about, though? So what's that story about? Uh, so, yeah, it, it reads, And so the No Man's Sky saga continues beyond the hype, the promises, and the prolonged silence from developer Hello Games and head honcho Sean Murray. It appears the UK's Advertising Standards Authority, the ASA, an independent regulator whose role is to, quote, regulate the content of advertisements, sales promotions, and direct marketing in the UK... Uh, complaints made about ads, sales promotions, or direct marketing, that's a huge fucking line, is now investigating the game's seemingly misleading promotional material. Frustrated with the disparity between the game's trailers, screenshots, and quote, general information, end quote, used to advertise No Man's Sky on its Steam page and what actually features in-game, uh, Reddit user Azure UK issued a formal complaint to the ASA. Ultimately, he or she feels the game's advertising is, quote, misleading or misrepresenting of the features found in the actual game. Um, let me see if I can find anything else that's useful in here. It says, quote, in the ASA response, they say that both Hello Games and Valve have a joint responsibility. And so both organizations have now been contacted by the ASA and have been told to respond to the following issues, which the ASA picked out as primary issues, which they compiled from a number of complaints that contacted the ASA, end quote. We've kind of kept away from the No Man's Sky um, news stories and Max, you and I two and a half year, or two years ago, I think last summer, were on the phone talking about how awesome No Man's Sky yeah. looked in anticipation for buying new consoles. And when it finally came out this year, not a single one of us on this show really had much interest in it. And I know there's been a pretty big hullabaloo um, in the gaming just press on the internet recently about it that I haven't really brought up on the show. But I wanted to go ahead and bring this one up because... Now we actually have a, a, a full-on governing institution uh, investigating the marketing behind this game, and I think that's I think that's pretty substantial. And the fact that this this organization is now looking at things like game trailers specifically um, as a means of upholding their marketing regulations, I think, is incredibly important. So, what is it looking for when it's looking at game trailers? Because the only thing that I've seen is like. It showed that one trailer from a long time ago where it's just like this, this, it scopes through this beautiful landscape of like awe-inspiring colors and these awesome, amazing creatures. And then I remember some dude like, <laughs> like dubbed over it and like cut hard to his world that he just found. And it was like a T-Rex head on like these two stubby chicken legs. <laughs> and it was just like, <laughs> like yeah. running around and like this gray rock planet. But it's a procedurally generated world, and yeah, they're going to show you the best fucking thing it can do. So that's know? that's that's kind of where we get into it when I say it's very. I think it's very crucial that this organization is looking at game trailers because so many gaming publishers and companies, when they show you a trailer, they show you sh they they doctor that shit up, man, yeah. and it is not representative of just even the graphical fidelity or you're going to see features that eventually get cut. And it's one thing if you had to cut a feature for budgetary reasons or whatnot, but when you specifically um, do up your ads in an attempt just to kind of whip up that fervor and create sales, I think it's very easy specifically in video games to do that. I, I don't know, man. I'm trying to think of a market that doesn't do that. I mean, look at the food industry. Like, 
You saying that when you watch a commercial about the food, that it looks how it's actually gonna fucking look when you get it? it <laughs> yeah, doesn't. that's it, true. You're fucking crazy. Like when you watch a movie, you're seeing, or when you watch a movie trailer, a lot of times you see all the funniest parts, or you see the coolest action shots. Half the time you see scenes that got like cut got later. Cut yeah, that you, you would know have loved I mean? to see, and then they aren't even fucking in the movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a really good point. Uh, that, to to a certain extent, I mean. And, and even like if you just in video games, like a lot of times they're just going to put in cutscenes, you know, and then like what is the line that they're going to draw between like, oh, you can put in cutscenes, but you can't put in doctored up uh, real, real gameplay. Like, yeah. shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> you know, like these guys are trying to make a buck. Mm. I, I, I do think that it's I think it's a valid attempt to say like. You shouldn't just be blatantly misleading people. I just think they're going to have a hard time really grasping any sort of real, like, legal precedent for it, right? Like, dude, yeah. it's just, okay, when you think about what the biggest problems were with No Man's Sky, it wasn't, like, what was advertised as much as it was just, like, like, how do you define advertisement for video games now? It's like, I haven't seen a No Man's Sky TV commercial before. I mean, I don't watch TV that much, but I don't think that there's that many, and I'm not sure if that's what really drew people in. But if you are saying that, like, in these interviews with the developers, he might have said, like, we're going to go for this, or he said that, like, oh, when the game comes out, it'll have these features and they're not there. Is that what you're trying to say? Like, Is, like promises that they're yeah, not? Yeah, that he's promising. I think, I think that all factors it? into it in... It's it's more of like a sum of its parts, I guess, than just a whole like one thing they said. I I I do want to say like I I'm usually skeptical of internet hate because it's it's quick, it's reactionary. But um, there's a guy named Jim Sterling on YouTube, and I I implore you guys to look up his channel and search the video he did specifically on No Man's Sky on whether or not they lied about things. And what you're gonna find is just a lot of kind of just gray like. Yeah, he was being pretty deliberately misleading in the things that he says. And I and this is one of the instances where like I kind of sympathize with the people who feel like they are misled, especially with the game that they were given. I'm also someone who will defend uh, the game in its own right and the people who thought it was gonna be everything in the world, I, I try to talk I try to show them the the error in that thinking as well. Um, but yeah, no, there are, there are specific interviews that he said where it's just like, yeah, you know, it's the way he presents his information, the way he presents his games that when you get it, it's really not at all what he had said, you know, he car salesman's it. And that's like, that sucks, but he's being like slimy, you know, in that sense. And that's whatever. But at the same time, you can't. I think the thing that sucks the most about this is that I, from what I've heard is that the game is like fun and it's cool. It's just not this huge grandiose experience that people thought it was going to be. Well, well yeah, I mean, it's because that game literally had to be two things that are in direct opposition. contradiction to each other. It had to be a niche indie game and a triple a game that gives players everything they come to expect in a triple a title, which is what I wanted to bring up next is like, dude, guys, stop stop shitting on this fucking like these developers because one, if you want that game, then that'll probably be the next game because it was 12 people that worked on this fucking, this indie triple a game. It was 12 people <laughs> that yeah. you wanted to make this fucking 
there's 200 people working on fucking Call of Duty. Yeah. You like know? Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's just, dude, yeah, the game isn't as awesome as it could have been, you know? They went for they went for these bold things. They made some promises, and they didn't pan out, and that fucking sucks. And I understand why you're fucking mad, but if you played the game for an hour, you could have refunded it on fucking Steam. Yeah. Well, well, and two, I mean, again, where do you draw the line between a person's vision and their ability to be able to deliver on that vision? Because, like, you know, if this guy has been creating. Maybe not like, like he could just be saying what he wants the game to be, as opposed to like you can expect this. I, I mean, I haven't seen the interviews or any of that, but like you know, I don't think it's bad for for people to be overly ambitious with what they want. Um, and and I don't think yeah, I mean, if they don't deliver on that, like yeah, that kind of sucks. But like, you're really gonna like attack them. And say like yeah, they're man. mislead purposefully misleading you in sort of like a fraudulent way. I mean, well, there are some features that when he talks about them, it is more in like an ambitious sort of way. Then there are other ones, and in particular, he said like um, there's multiplayer in the game, and though it's highly unlikely if you were if two players were both to land on the same planet, they would see each other. The first day that came out, the game came out, that happened, and those players couldn't see each other. So essentially, that multiplayer feature that he had sat that that he said on a national television interview, um, he did this on the Colbert Report, or I mean, on uh, the Late Show with Stephen Colbert, wasn't in there. And mm. so, and it, it's just it's very specific things like that, you know, where you're going to be able to take sides in galactic wars or whatever. It's like, no, you're not. You're just going to shoot ships, and there's no larger, grand thing happening behind the scenes. You're just selling the image. You, you have an awe-inspiring image. And you're painting, you're you're playing to people's fantasies with what they see in that image, mm. you know. And so you got, I mean, I I I I totally understand all points that we're all making. It's just when does this guy become the snake oil salesman? You know, like when do you stop giving that guy the benefit of the doubt? You know, and I think it's a tough question to answer because there's so many degrees of sliminess. Um, actual genuine excitement and ambition and also the consumer base being just getting way too, way too hyped over a fucking product. Very, you know? very hard to please. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough one. Anyway, that's hmm. the news. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, if you want to follow the show once the mics have turned off, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Witty Banter Show. Also, like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast and help the show get discovered by leaving a review on iTunes. And finally, steer the conversation by sending a question to wittybantershow at gmail.com or suggest a beer for us to review by going to our website, wittybantershow.com. That's enough plugs. Let's get back to the show. And we're back. Hi. <laughs> Did you say? Are hi? you guys? Are you guys feeling October festive? Uh, yeah. I guess. I like yeah. That. That's that's a nice little uh, you know, conjunct nice bit conjunction of words. <laughs> what do you guys think about this beer, huh? About the Haas Oktoberfest Lager. Well. I've got a hint that Max likes it because it's starting to get pretty low in his in his glass. 
it's not that I, well, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's definitely easy to drink. And it's yeah. one of the easier ones that we've had to drink in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we've yeah had a beer like this in a while. But from what I've gathered from what you guys have told me is uh, what a Oktoberfest beer is supposed to be. That it's supposed to be like a drinkable beer with a kick. And so far, what I'm getting from this beer is pretty much just that. I mean, it's super drinkable. The spices are, are coming out a lot more than they were a second ago. Um, but other than that, I don't really know what else to say. Like, I feel like I'm almost at a loss of words because of its. I don't feel the complexity hitting me all up front. But maybe right. I'm not able to analyze it as in-depthly as somebody else might be able to. Maybe it's not complex. Yeah. It might not be, but I mean, I don't even know what to address about it at this point now right. because it's so drinkable. I think so. it kind of carries itself like an amber. Like it, like when I drink it, if you would have told me this was an amber, I'd be like, yes, it is. Um, because it has sort of like that accessibility that I think a lot of ambers that you drink would, would have, but it also does have sort of like the spicy feel, especially at the back end. Uh, of the uh, flavor profile. Um, I think the mouthfeel is it's really smooth and nice. Um, I like it since it's warmed up. Got a little bit of that hot uh, ending to the taste. Um, I, I dig it. I, I, do, I do agree with you that I think I'm going to go with what Chase said originally. I think it's a little subdued, maybe to a fault. I think I could get a little bit more out of something, but I'm not, uh, especially if it's going to label itself an Oktoberfest beer. Um, but I think that's that's basically a summation of what I think. What about you? I think it smells awesome. It's super malty. Mm-hmm. It's just like you smell it. It's just got it's just got that sweetness, that oatmeal type kind of smell to it. Um, it drinks so smooth and so easy. And that's ultimately what I look for in an Oktoberfest beer is like, if I'm actually going to have go to like an Oktoberfest gathering, I'm going to drink a lot and I want it to be easy mm-hmm. and, and just, I want it to just be like flavored beer basically, you know? And this is totally what this thing is giving me. It's a little spicier than I think you guys are picking up for me uh, personally. Like I am getting, Maybe a little hint of like cherry um, and just that kind of nutmeggy t- taste that I alluded to earlier. And that rye really heats up my mouth. Uh, like whenever I take a big gulp and kind of ah, like breathe out, you know, with my mouth, like I it just my whole mouth is filled with that that spice. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to the next segment. And then we have quite a bit of mail to get through. So. Everyone put your fucking fun hats on. Dope. Hey, people like us. (laughs) This next segment is one we haven't done before, and it's inspired by the fact that I haven't gotten to talk to you guys directly in quite some time, and I feel it's time to catch up. This segment is called Pub Talk. Pub Talks. And Hunter, oftentimes you're like, I think this beer would be go really good with a good friend who you can just talk with. We're going to have one of those nights right now. I want to catch up on what you guys have been up to, and I'm going to kick off the discussion by letting you guys know that I finally watched the very famous anime Akira last week. I was hoping you would would bring that up on this. It's really all I wanted to talk about for the most part. Okay. 
Yeah. Cool. So I don't know cool. much about it. I know it's historically important in the fact that it's just a very art. It's just a. It's like an achievement in in its genre and in its art field. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was made in the '80s, and it takes place in like a futuristic Tokyo called Neo Tokyo in 2019, and um, it's one of the last like truly hand drawn animes. Um, and I was totally blown away. I think it's one of the movies that absolutely earns its reputation, and I loved it. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I have. Yes, I've seen it. Yes. Like the name definitely rings a bell. I don't think you've I've seen, it, seen the cover. You've seen the poster. Yeah, okay. you've seen the poster before. Okay. I'll tell you right. that much. Um, I tell you what, man. The directing in this movie is what really drew me in. Like the first fifteen minutes or so were like just. Ab- just absolutely awe-inspiring. Oh, it's you have these motorcycle chase scenes yeah. where like you're following these light trails around. It's just visually stunning, and like the way they introduce the main character is is just creative. And like the way like you they you get to his motorcycle first, you know, yeah. and it, it's it was just interesting for me to think like, wow, they did a great da- job like directing the camera in this movie, even though there's actually no camera, you know, right. <laughs> we and were just talking about God another anime it, that did dude. that. <laughs> we were waiting on you to come in here, and <laughs> when we were waiting on you to come up, we were just talking about that. Like, cinematography in anime is so fucking lost a lot of the times. Yeah. But when, when it's, it's used right, <laughs> but when somebody <laughs> picks it up and finds it somewhere, uh, it's just so fucking awesome. And I think that Akira is an excellent, excellent example of taking a more not only just like movie but like western movie approach to how it's shot like cinematography wise even though it's not a camera it's it's still those point of views are so well thought out so that's awesome that you brought that up i think it's really cool and like it's within the first 10 minutes i had an idea of where the movie was going to go i had an idea of what i was getting myself into just out of what I've seen before and what my expectations were. And then like 15 minutes hit and they kind of throw a wrench in that. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then by <laughs> in, in the last 10 minutes, and I'm actually going to make a comparison to the, to inside the game I've been talking about all year. I, if I would have sat down for fucking seven hours and tried to guess how that movie would have ended, I would have never even gotten fucking close. <laughs> it was just so utterly imaginative it was just like this guy's vision and imagination turned up to 10 where you're watching it and it's just pure awe-inspiring spectacle and just fucking dripping and cool mm-hmm. you know absolutely loved it if you haven't seen akira go watch that shit i think i'm gonna do it yeah that, i gotta do it now that fucking motorcycle scene at the beginning has gone down as like one of the best moments of animation that I've fucking ever seen. Coolest and it reminded ever. me um, when I saw Drive for the first time, it's kind of that same sort of feel that I got from it. Very like a lot of lights are used. A lot of like colors are used to portray like movement and things like that. Um, it was just so fucking cool, man. That's one of the coolest it was. animated It's, it's movies weird to just say that because it's such a superlative that doesn't oh, really 100%. carry much meaning, but that movie is fucking cool. It's <laughs> so fucking Awesome. Um, yeah, dude, there's, there is a slew of movies from that time period that I think that you should get, you should get into because that, that hand drawn animation 
100% just speaks for itself when you see some I mean of it's these it's in, it's incredible. There's a few scenes where I'm just looking at the environment they're in and first of all, the environment, the world building they were able to create just in drawing the backdrops on these characters was fucking incredible, but I'm just looking at the details of some of these places and it's just like Holy shit, that looks painstaking. Mm-hmm. I cannot it was. fathom. <laughs> well, they don't how do it anymore. It yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was incredible. You but, lose so much more of like these nuances and movement that um, I think that movies like that have. And I remember specifically from Akira when uh, it's been for fucking ever since I've seen the movie, but Tetsuo. When, yeah, Tetsuo is being like consumed for the first time, and like his like desperation and the way that he's trying to like get out of being like fucking like you know just encompassed in this huge fucking mass. Like every movement down to like every frame, if you change it, like everything is shifting to where like his facial expression is shifting, his hands and fingers are like twitching and moving and grasping and like reaching out and like things are flexing. And you don't fucking get that at all in modern anime, and that fucking sucks. Yeah, so yeah. bad. But that also but sucks. That's so also bad to why draw. it's defined as a masterpiece. You know. Yeah, and it'll always be that way. I, that's yeah, one of the best movies of all time. It's fucking awesome. As far as animated movies go, top ten easily. Um, as far as other animated movies that you've seen, because you've seen a lot of Studio Ghibli movies, right? For the most part, I've only se- I've only seen two. Do you see my neighbor Totoro or my friend Totoro? I've seen. I actually I watched them both when you were at the when you were with me, Hunter. We watched Princess Mononoke and we watched um, the one with the very Spirited famous away. one. Spirited away, yeah. I like Princess Mononoke. Princess, yeah, Princess Mononoke is sick. another one that's kind of in the same lines, so where you can definitely see a lot of those fucking hand drawn movements come out and like expressing these fucking characters' personalities. Yeah, the so creature much. of the forest or whatever, yeah, like yeah. coming down and like having all the crazy of those, face. And all of those little like arm movements and twitches. And I remember just one uh, when he shoots that fucking arrow for the first time. It just. Uh, like in the very beginning of the movie, just so many animations go into him, just like literally just reaching for it, pulling it back, his fucking arm. He restrings his bow yeah, before his dude, elk comes yeah. up and freaking slings All on that it, shit that you get to fucking see, it looks fucking awesome, dude. It's, it's amazing. And that was the first thing that I thought. That's another movie that I put in my top 10 of like these fucking animated spectacles that I think people need to watch. We we got to do a build your own six pack for anime sometime soon. We were just joking about doing that. If you couldn't make it tonight, (laughs) that was going to be what was going to happen. That was going to be the episode. (laughs) Me and Max purely pretty much talk about anime. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, yeah. Fucking Akira. Amazing. Princess Mononoke. Amazing. I can't believe I haven't seen it. You should check it out, man. It's it's a a rip roaring good time. Max, you recently got Ultra Gold and Street Fighter. Yeah, to switch it over to my to my pub talk of, yeah. the, of the week. Uh-huh. Been really struggling with getting this fucking Ultra Gold, guys. It's been really whack. It, it was painful, you know, being stuck at this rank. Somebody telling you how bad you are to your face and just <laughs> labeling you. You know, who is this somebody? <laughs> society. Is it, is it you? Society was telling <laughs> society. me that. Man, society was telling me I wasn't good enough. Did you? Do you get shit talked in Street Fighter ever? Kids no. calling you noobs. Dude, that's one big thing about Street Fighter Five that I can't decide whether I like or I don't. Is that yeah, you right. can't communicate with the oh, other person? At least okay. not in like these 
you have these you know pre-selected things you can say like good game or the match is kind of laggy uh, uh, so you know it's like things that <laughs> the points you want to get across are there yeah but not sometimes in the way no you want to get them across no inflection sometimes you want to say a little extra <laughs> when their connection is complete bullshit you and they fucking it scrub it. that out <laughs> um but also you don't get shit talked ever so that's pretty fucking cool i guess uh no i mean i just so i hadn't played street fighter in easily over two or three weeks which is crazy because i fucking played that's the only game i play that's my that's what i do in my free time when i get free time i sit yeah. down and i play street fighter because it's you know it's fucking cathartic it's what i want to fucking do yes sir it's how i deal with the day um but i hadn't played in a long time i got stuck at super gold for a very long time and i had been slowly progressing through all my ranks up until that point, and then I just felt like I was very stuck, and I got very frustrated, and I was getting very like agitated and throwing things around like a child for You'd the first time a in a ceiling. while. I did, and I stopped, and I went back on a few days ago to play, and I only played for maybe like thirty minutes, but I hadn't played in forever, and just something, man, something about keeping your there's I your think mind there's something weird with so with ranked like ranked points in games, and I think specifically with Street Fighter where. I don't think it necessarily reflects your skill level a lot of the times. No. And I think that can go in both ways. There's times where you can fly up ranks real quick and you actually probably shouldn't have gotten there. And there's times where you can squander and even though you're not you're not ranking up, you're actually getting better because you might just be learning something that you didn't know you were doing and you kind of had these ebbs and flows, you know. Mm-hmm. That's how skill that's how skill develops is by sitting on the shitty things that you can't get past and just being determined enough to overcome them. You know, mm. I mean, that's where true talent fucking grows. And then, um, but, but, I, but that's cool. I, man. I, yeah. I wanted to now combine both of these subjects. We talked about anime. We talked about fighting games. Hunter, I think there's a fighting game that I played this weekend that you might enjoy and that you and Max could play together. And it's called Guilty Gear Revelator. And the reason why I think you might like it is because it's completely hand-drawn. The entire game is hand-drawn, and it's all in anime style. Damn. This game drips style. It is just every character is absolutely imaginatively different. Um, And since it's all hand-drawn, it just looks really impressive and really cool. It kind of looks like you're playing an anime. And what I love most about it is... When you do like a super move and you end a round by like finishing them off with like a super move, like in Street Fighter, you'll just like you'll do the 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 crazy Hadouken. It ends the round and you see like a big bright light in the background and then it kind of just says, "All right, round one, like you win," you know. And Ryu puts his fucking fist up. In this game, if you win on a super, it does this like crazy anime cutscene where your character is like. I mean, it's just all of them are so different. This one guy like drops a <laughs> tank, he like drops a tank on you, and and it doesn't even. Want, if you win with that cutscene, the game just once the cutscene's over, it just ends. Like it's just such a fucking mic drop moment, and it's beautiful. It's really cool. It plays a lot quicker. It's a little more forgiving than Street Fighter. I think I think you would dig it. Max just looked at me with a sly smile. Like we're definitely gonna play this. Well, Guilty Gear is one of. The, I never got into XR to Revelator. Um, I should. It's one of like the big fighting games to be playing right now. Uh, I would say that this is definitely at least, if not this game, it comes from the coolest fighting game there ever was or ever will be. Because uh, which is what Guilty Gear <laughs> Accent Core was like. 
the fucking sickest fucking game. It was so <laughs> cool. It was just the coolest <laughs> thing, man. The fucking music was just this preposterous fucking rock in heavy metal music <laughs> that were just these sick riffs that were really like if we heard them in like sword songs we'd be like dude this is the heaviest one <laughs> this is the best one but it's like video game soundtracks so we're like oh this is cool yeah but when you separate it and just listen to it there's stuff in there that's just so just fucking awesome duper and it's just such a self-aware game, like having characters named Soul Bad Guy and having mm-hmm. a fucking character named Chip, who is this like renowned weeaboo who's running for American president, but he's also like <laughs> a ninja. You know, it's just it's so just ridiculous and um, bringing. I up fell some, in love with it. Yeah, bringing up some of those like character cutscenes. Like, there's one where a character named Faust, who's one that Andrew plays, great name. His uh, his super move is like, or his ultimate attack, whatever you want to call it in that game. I don't know what it's called, but he like does surgery on your face. Oh dude. It's but it's wild. cosmetic surgery. And like, after you're done, he like shows you a picture of it, but it's like, it's essentially like the reaction that you get from the SpongeBob moments <laughs> when it's like, does this look unsure to you yeah. or the fucking, the normal one, which is what I always think of when he's going oh, when normal. normal and then he shows a picture of Squidward and it's like the guy dressed up as Squidward. That's like exactly the reaction you get from your version of all the characters afterwards. It's just such a good time. It's super fun. Yeah. Man. And like, and just even the entrances for Faust. So Faust open, it shows him uh, in an operating room. He's got this gigantic scalpel that he yeah. fights with and he opens the door and it's like, he opens the door and when he opens the door, it shows the fighting game stage you're about to play on. And he's coming from the bottom of the floor and he like steps through from another dimension and like moves up but, and yeah. comes out, <laughs> closes the door behind him. And then a light turns on from where he just came through and it says, in surgery. So he's like this interdimensionary doctor coming around <laughs> to fuck you up with a scalpel. Like yeah. every cutscene that Andrew showed me, I was like, what the fuck is this? This is so crazy. I think I got to play it, man. Yeah, man. Guilty Gear is good. cool. And it's, it's like super anime, but without being like generic and stuff, which is pretty cool. Man, um, gotta, get awesome. it, gotta get it. Yeah. That was fun. But yeah, that's cool, cool that you finally, you passed your, your own, Barrier that you were hitting, man. Oh, thank you. Dealing with super gold or uh, ultra gold. Yeah. And so now we were we were joking a little bit. Now it's time to go play where the big dogs eat, right? Oh man, go get big dog shit. Get that plat plat at the the platinum field. Yeah, where you get that respect. (laughs) (laughs) See, I I I don't think you're ever gonna feel satisfied. Yeah, I'm gonna get the platinum. I don't think you're ever gonna get respect, Max. Like you, (laughs) you were sitting at super gold, which is probably an accomplishment in itself. Maybe for and a, you felt like society was shooting on you. <laughs> and now you're at Ultra Gold. You'll there sit on that for like a upper echelon of players. And then you're going to be like, society's just shitting me. I'm, I'm not platinum, Fucking man. Garbage platinum. No, no, no. When I get to platinum, I will feel better about <laughs> my... my I've been playing this game for like eight years. I've been playing this game for forever. Yeah. Man, I need to, I need to be really good. So, yeah. Well, I think the only thing I can... Uh, round out the pub talk with is I, dude, I just got my ACL ticket today. Oh. Bro, literally, the more if you are listening to this at 10 o'clock when it goes live, Hunter and I are, are waiting <laughs> to see Radiohead. Yeah, and that's something that uh, I've been sort of wondering if I was going to get to do again since 2012. And 
Yeah, I mean, it, it just sort of hit me this week. Like, I, I, I just sort of happenstance put on uh, Shuffle Radiohead and listening to some songs, and I'm like, yep, I'm getting stoked again. Yeah, um, dude. <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to, like, get excited about anything, and so to, like, finally get the, Oh, damn, that's dark. The, <laughs> the, the tingles and the jingles going. Um, I'm passionate guy, but I sort of, like subdue my own excitement about stuff sometimes because i don't want to be like overzealous and then get like too high expectations of shit but like i just know that i'm just gonna fucking love every minute of watching radiohead i'm not gonna like all the waiting but yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy every minute while i'm there <laughs> damn right and you're not. uh and also um also just to round this out uh three years ago to this day was when we released the first episode of Witty Banner. Holy Damn, shit. Damn, really? Man. September 28th, 2013. First episode of Witty Banner dropped on the world. Damn. Yeah. Happy birthday, Witty Banter. Yeah, happy, happy birthday, birthday. guys. That's awesome. To us. <laughs> to us. How far we've we come. segment on that one. That's just... <laughs> yeah, right? That's good. <laughs> that was awesome, yeah. Cool, cool. You guys were just two dorks hanging out. Drinking some briskies. Yeah. Except Pretending the original, you knew what you like. yeah. the original uh, vision was to take out a six pack per show. So like we were, <laughs> a lot of things have changed. Yeah, just, uh, pretty kind like the no man, kind of like the no man's yeah. sky of podcasts. I was like really. pushing myself to like open them and get them back. <laughs> yeah, no, we yeah, it was it wasn't really like well, this beer has really opened up over time. It's like well, this third one's tasted pretty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're only thirty minutes into the show, but this third one's pretty oh, good. Oh man. Yeah, if you go back and listen to some of those earlier episodes, there are definitely times where we get loose. <laughs> a little loosey-goosey. Good pop. Well, cool. Box. Let's go ahead and bump into the mail time because we have quite a few emails waiting to be answered. It's it. It's <laughs> Can't wait. Ready. Digging it. All right. Give it to me. The first one comes from none other than Dunter Horset. Ooh. I have something to say here. Okay. We've been we've been bat so for me it's this, always no, this been is obvious. You. I thought this was Dunter, right? Oops. Yeah. But Hunter, your own sort of like inquisitive nature about if it actually is him has now put me on my back foot and I'm thinking <laughs> what if Mandy and Nick or corroborating it. Dude, she fucking said that. And I was like, she was like, well, what if we have been talking back and forth about this? Because, <laughs> like, okay, all of the diction and all of the, the word usage points to Nick, but little things, very little things. Like, why would Nick ever need to call me Peanut Butter Cups Dorset? That is only something that happens between me and Mandy. She brings over Reese's Peanut Butter Cups all the time, you know? That is incredibly coincidental. So I've, I've sort of, I, I've really dogged Mandy about it. I've been like, hey, I, in fact, after <laughs> I'm that, I'm fucking serious. In fact, after that show, <laughs> like <laughs> after that show, uh, when Max walked out the door, I fucking pulled out my phone <laughs> and I was like, Mandy, <laughs> like, <laughs> like what the fuck? You know, like, what is this? And she was like, what? You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to go to bed right now. It's like 1230. I like made up. an ultimatum and she's Talk still dragging it out and like not answering a question. I was like, are you, are you Dunter or whatever? And she's like, 
I'm not going to answer that. And I'm like, that's not an answer. And she's like, Hunter, no. And I'm like, okay, so you're not. She's like, I'm just not answering the question. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm like 98% sure, but the 2% will always linger until... I mean, it's been very fun. I like having it on the show. It makes me excited to just not know. But having a guaranteed email is, yeah, is pretty that's sweet. Been pretty great every time. <laughs> but it promotes other emails. I've noticed. Yeah, you yeah, never yeah. just had just the one. For sure, that's nice. Absolutely. All right. Well, this is Dunter's question. He says, "Have you guys learned nothing from the habanero wars?" He says, "Quote: The tomatillo is so spicy." End quote. And he goes, "Yeah, I'm disappointed with your low tolerance for spiciness nowadays." And I just want to say. That's Nick. Nick, I have tasted the sun. I know the depths <laughs> of spice. But when you start giving me spicy shit in where it's usually not spicy, I'm going to pick up on that. I'm going to call it out. Didn't you all work at H&H together and eat habanero peppers and shit all the time? Yeah, so that's what he's referring to. Oh, we, okay. would, we would bait each other by making each other eat habanero peppers through <laughs> pranks and shenanigans. Yeah, it was hilarious and also terrible. <laughs> Dude, man, the Joker smile that people would get. If you ever want to really prank somebody yeah, with habaneros, you, get them good. you just rub it on stuff more than anything. Uh, we had a friend of ours that would like rub it on the rim of like, <laughs> like a our glass drinks. or something. Yeah, so when you drank it, not only was it spicy, but you got a nice little Joker smile. Going <laughs> well, down do you remember what we did to uh, Adam Shackleton? We, I took his straw of his <laughs> cup and I cored the habanero pepper with his straw, <laughs> and then just put his drink back. And he's sitting there drinking. He's sucking down this water. And he's like, "Oh man, like <laughs> there's something up with this water." Like you just see like his wheels turning. Like what could this possibly be? I think I remember that him being like, "Dude, fuck you guys, you did it," and we convinced him that we didn't. He was like, "Dude, that's kind of wacky." Like the human mind, man. Like plays some tricks on you. And we were just like, "Yeah, dude, that's pretty intense." <laughs> All right. Dunter's question. He says, anyway, you have now reviewed two novelty beers on the show, not your father's root beer and the salsa verde. My question to you, beeping buffoons, is if you could create any type of beer, novelty or regular, what would it taste like? Dunter, the straightforward horset. I would make a beer that has a like a peanut butter taste in there. Ooh. I think that'd be there dope. actually is a peanut butter stout. Yeah, like a peanut butter stout would be fucking dope. I almost was going to say peanut butter and jelly, but I think peanut butter is okay by itself. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean. Yeah, it is. It's very good by itself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I would want to go with something that was less novelty. Um, I would just love to make my own uh, like milk stout, you know, just like a big, thick, dark fucking milkshakey type of beer. I love those. Those are my favorite beers to this day still. It has been for a long time. Hunter Milk Stout Door Set, man. Yeah. And fucking stout lungs over here, or stout gut. Um, yeah, I think that would be, I, I mean, no, no f- specific flavor jumps out to me that I would want to like, I got to throw that in a beer one day that I make. So I think I would just go with just like a, a you know, sort of chocolatey, thick, like a milky milk stout. I think that's what I would shoot don't you, for. Don't you think you've already had that beer before? Uh, yeah, but I haven't had the. Yeah, H- and I fucking loved it. I haven't had the H Dizzle version of it yet. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Oh, okay. Got to get the high def, heavy duty version. Mm. 
I'll, okay, I'll, then I'll, I'll go novelty then. Okay. I feel like I want like Parmesan French fry beer. <laughs> Truffle. That sounds horrible. <laughs> or may what if or what if someone tried to get like the taste of sushi into a beer? What would you be I mean, trying to get? Tough. The taste? Like What's the taste of se- sushi? Several things going. Soy sauce. Sushi. Soy sauce beer. That'd be so. disgusting. <laughs> we already had a wasabi beer, but that wasn't very wasabi though. Actually, I, now that you mention it, what was the name of that beer? It was like Wabi Sabi beer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wabi Sabi is actually, I learned this after the episode. We're totally fucking ignorant. It's a, <laughs> it, no surprise it's, there. Yeah, it's uh, it's like a term in Japanese culture where you want things to be almost perfect, but not like it's something in art or like in home decorating. And it's, it's something that pervades like their entire culture as far as I was led to believe in that you like I think they would take like these bowls that were made of porcelain but crack them because you want it to be wabi-sabi like you don't want it to be perfect and that's where that name comes from and I think if we were to go back and look at that beer I don't think it was trying to be a a wasabi beer I think we just saw wabi-sabi and and read it as that I think well, we I think it might have been a green tea beer, right? Like it was some sort of it had some sort of green. It was idea. a wabi. It was the wabi sabi IPA. Yeah, and it just says in this beautifully nuanced Japanese aesthetic influenced ale, we marry in the the condition the conditioning tank ample dosages of earthy herbal hops, uh, with deft additions of whole leaf green tea. So yeah, so, not wasabi. <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> Okay. So who's gonna make the first wasabi though. beer, man? That sounds pretty dope. Yeah, we're we're bringing it back like a around. Spiced right beer, around. like a wasabi has a nice like horseradishy kind of spice to it. I think. That I would. fucking I'm not much for wasabi, dude. You a fan of horseradish? He's a ginger guy. So I had this one. I had this one <laughs> uh, diesel moment where I uh, I went to I got like a a, a to go salad from somewhere, and I was meeting somebody at Quiznos, and I saw a container of this white stuff. And oh, I was like, yeah. I'll, uh, you know, I'll just use this for my ranch. So I put it all over my salad and it was actually horseradish <laughs> and it was just like the worst thing on my salad. And so I've never really recovered or thought that horseradish was good. It was since ever then. good at that point. Yeah. It was just mm. like grainy, like grimy. I don't know. I can't yeah, do it. On a salad, that sounds fucking terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> I understand that. But on a roast beef sandwich with like brie and caramelized onions. I'm sure it's great. It's fucking dope <laughs> yeah, let me tell you what let me tell you that's the way so what's All right, this next here? question comes from max kelleher yay he bit. says you have just died oh, an omnipotent Seriously? presence reveals itself the deity explains to you that there is no afterlife and that you are allowed to ask one question before your final end what is your question so it's an um is it did he say omnipotent Yep. Yeah, somebody who's going to be an- be able to answer that question. Well, I would think that would be omniscient, right? Omnipotent is all powerful. But well, not call to, him out, man. Not call to, him a fucking idiot. Not to get call into him a s- dickhole on the fucking <laughs> air, man. <laughs> not to get into semantics. I'm sorry, that's rude. Um, so you ask one question uh, to an all-knowing being. Um, I don't know, man. Dude, I, yeah, I, what the fuck, man? <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I would. Uh, I think I would just ask if there was uh, a, a predefined purpose to to my existence. You know, like, did I exist for a reason, or was this all just happenstance? You know, 
And he might not he might not give like some sort of super verbose thorough answer. He might just say no. He might just be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What no. was it? Whoops, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see ya. Yeah. Uh, or he just answers like 42. Um, but but yeah, I think that would be mine. I just want to know if there's if there's meaning to it all. Hmm. That's boring. <laughs> what do you think, Chase? I think I would ask, what was the single de- what what was this what was a single decision that I made that had the greatest effect on my life? Like, and I would and I would ask what that decision was. Like the crux of your life, kind yeah, of. Yeah, like what what decision that I made was one that affected the outcome of my life the greatest. Yeah, that's a fucking good question. I think the moment that you uh, you picked up Zelda, man, I think uh, that was a big one. That's a big one. Yeah, it, it left you in the wake of this video game wave. <laughs> I'm just following been, the jet stream. That's, really, that's a good question because I think it'd be kind of cool to kind of answer whether or not like the nature over nurture kind of aspect of life, how much that plays into uh, who I am as a person. Yeah. Like how much you are just who you are versus you are the consequence of. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I would like to say like, what kind of person would I be? Like what kind of person would I be if I wasn't, Oh, fuck, I don't know how to like really ask it. If I or like, was, could I be anything other than what I was? Kind of thing. Exactly. Like, am I always? Was I always going to be this person? Was I always going to grow up into this handsome, <laughs> clever, ultra gold, smart, charismatic, charismatic empathetic, pretty solid Street Fighter character, but not quite platinum character? Yeah, I would ask him. Was it possible for me to hit platinum? You know? <laughs> Because I have gotten that. Well, that's actually, I mean, that just, that's, I think it's like, just, did you get it? And you're like, no. I was like, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck you. That's just a, a different way of asking if there's predestination, right? Yeah. I was, yeah, exactly. Like, did I have a choice in becoming this way? You know? Was, is free, real, is free will a real thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I would ask. I think those are all, I like those questions. Solid, those are man. good. I would be really pissed, though. If, if he asked me that right then, because I'd be like, dude, how long do I get to think about this? Because this is a fucking pretty big deal. Like, <laughs> if, this, what, if this did just happen, I was like, I don't fucking know. Yeah, that's know. your question. Yeah, I'd like, be like, dude, wait, how long do I have to me? think? And he's, he's like, like, no time, no. you're done, bye. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that would be horrible. But oh, man. Awesome. All right, this one comes from Garrett Brown, who says, Howdy, gents. Much like yourselves, I enjoy the sciences because facts are a rare treat to observe in a world dominated by spin and data cherry-picking. However, with Halloween fast approaching, I must know what the crew of Witty Banter thinks about the supernatural. Can we be visited from beyond the grave? Is there a life after this one? Physicists talk talk much more openly these days uh, about just how many dimensions there could be. Perhaps consciousness can reach beyond the mortal body's demise into one of these many planes of existence. How strange that day would be when science and ghost stories begin to mesh. Anyway, let me know what you think. And of course, ghost stories are always welcome. Prost and happy Oktoberfest, gents. Garrett the Hugger Brown. Mm. Great contributor, this Garrett, to the yeah, show thank today. you, Garrett. Thank you, sir. That's a pretty solid question. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting into some deep cuts here. I like it. Yeah, man. It's getting a, me all a deep sewed right now. So I was just telling Max before uh, before we started up that I watched Interstellar again, and yeah. uh, and one of the coolest things that I, I it sort of resurfaced uh, was that there are things that can cross different dimensions in space time, and one of those things was gravity, but also another thing was love. So yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I 
I guess I would take that to mean I, I do think that it's entirely plausible that you know a lot of what we like to consider is like these greater existences or some might say God, some might say, you know, other dimensional beings. I, I think that it's totally plausible that there are higher dimensions that we cannot perceive. I think, we, I think um, you know, just the fact that we are three dimensional and that we can perceive what, like mentally perceive what two dimensional and one dimensional things are, but like we can't really grasp fourth dimensional things it makes sense that there would be fourth and fifth dimensional things that would be able to see downward, but not upwards. Um, and I think that there's lots of math, mathematical, again, like math doesn't prove everything, but um, there's lots of sort of verification that extremely intelligent people have uh, come to conclusions that like the third dimension is not the end all be all. And even mm -hmm. just like the fact that what we're perceiving is one millionth, of the electromagnetic spectrum is pretty incredible, you know, to actually try and yeah. understand. We're so dumb. <laughs> yeah, we you are know what I mean? Like so, we think we're so smart. We're such but noobs. We're so dumb. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, I don't believe that things come down and make uh, supernatural shit happen. But do I believe that? There are things above our dimension and above our reality. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say yes that's, to that. That's kind of where I land as well. Um, and I feel like you and I had a lot of these conversations. A lot of um, drunken uh, ones, a lot of sober ones. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, I don't believe in like uh, an afterlife, but I do believe, one, when it comes to ghosts, like I think it's I think you can make that shit real in your own head. Like I think fear is very real and you can, ex you can work yourself up into a fear. It's a, you know, I experienced that kind of fear specifically often. Um, in fact, Hunter, there was a night where you were over and we were reminiscing about like a odd experience I had at Darian's old place. And it was one of those nights where like I was back in that fear zone again. And I was like, I don't want to fucking talk about this. Like ask me again later. Cause I'm not talking about this right now. It's freaking me out. <laughs> I do think that it's totally plausible. And in the same way, we, when we watched that Oceans documentary and we saw that fucking Nautilus squid just <laughs> fucking blow that tiny shrimp's mind and then destroy it, I think yeah. that's totally possible that could happen to us where we, we don't even know we'd be dealing with other dimensional beings, but that's what was going on. So I kind of like that explanation uh, for ghosts in particular. Max, you have a good ghost story. Me? Yeah, you've got that story that like your family, like you were, I think it was like your family in Kansas or whatever. There was that little kid. Oh, the little like, kid? Yeah, that one was yeah. crazy, man. Tell that story. Oh, yeah. Well, just to like chime in, I agree with both of you. Depends on what your view of what a ghost is. You yeah. Know, right? Uh, but that being said, <laughs> there was this little kid and he was, uh, at, he was my cousin's. It like wasn't grandparents that were related to me because it was like my cousin's other half of their family. Okay. Right? And there was this little kid and he was downstairs and he was being uh babysat by these uh this family. And he was downstairs and he was like just in this fucking weird fucking mood. <laughs> he was just sitting there just like ugh, just feeling being very clack. And they were just like, Why are you so weird? Why are you so fucking like being so pouty? Why are you being so just like ugh right now? And he was like, I just don't like that couple that's standing over there. I just don't like them. They're just, they're freaking me out. 
and they look over to a corner of the room that's very empty, and they're like, what couple are you talking about? Like, the old man and that old lady there. I don't like them. They're that's just fucking horrifying. Terrifying me, right? So they're like, okay, little kid, he's imaginative, maybe he watched like a horror movie recently, whatever, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Uh, so the time goes on. They're like, there's nobody there. Come into this other room. They won't bother you in there, blah, blah. Uh, the kid's still in this bad mood or whatever. They eventually take him upstairs to go to bed. And they have this old family picture on a uh, dresser of their parents, mm-hmm. but they are old people now. So their parents, when they were like older, were it was a long time ago, right? Mm-hmm. Back when they, uh, close to when they had died, when they were in like 70s or so. And he sees the picture on the dresser and he goes, oh, what the fuck, dude? Those are the guys that are downstairs. <laughs> and they're just freaking out. Just like, what are you fucking Yeah, what did, what, yeah, did, what did your... Like the family members, were they tripping balls? Like, yeah, they were just. Well, yeah, of course, it comes from a much more like superstitious side of my family than yeah. mine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, they were just like, so apparently, the ghosts uh, watch over the house, which is like where I don't necessarily believe. But I do love ghost stories. Yeah, I'm a big fan of ghost stories. Right. So, yeah. But I thought that was really cool. That was a cute little story. Yeah, I think little kids are scary as shit. Like little once kids my, are terrifying. Once my little kids start having imaginary friends and start being like, but daddy, this person is here. I'm going to be like, you shut the fuck up. <laughs> <It doesn't laughs> exist. That's not real. There Please. Was, there was one time when I don't remember if he said it to me or to Andrew, but why it was like, we love you. And he was just like, Who? oh, and he was just like. And I was like, who is like me and the other Wyatt or something like that? Oh. We're just like, what? Oh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so we're Did y'all have imaginary friends? Um, not like particularly. I talk to myself still now. So I still talk defines, to myself. Yeah, for sure. I talk to myself oh, all dude, the time. Hunter, Hunter would, would go down a fucking litany <laughs> of points in the shower. I'd be in the living room just with nothing on or whatever. And Hunter's in there having full blown conversations. It was incredible. It's like Gandalf. I've already lived several realities. (laughs) That must be me, too. I'll take that. That sounds way cooler than I just talked to myself like a weirdo. (laughs) That's how I like to think of it. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the question, Garrett. This next one comes from none other than Ben Ebig. Yay. Another badass witty banter fan. And he says, quite simply, what is your perfect pizza? Oh, wow. dude, that varies for all of us. Yeah. Because I'm the only one out of the three of us that like pineapple on my pizza, right? Yeah, it's fucking weird. It's, uh, look, okay. <laughs> Max, I'm not going to fucking like shun you. I like pineapples. In fact, I think they're incredibly tasty fruit. Okay. I just wouldn't... Uh, like, putting pineapple on my pizza would seem just as plausible as putting apple or any other fruit. Orange. I don't understand why pineapple stuck so Because hard. it's sweet. So and it's tangy. <laughs> and it's tangy. You know Never mind. I mean? All right, I'm convinced. It's not the same. You can't bite into a pineapple with the same expectations that you bite into an apple with. <laughs> it, like apples are sweet. Apples. Oh, they're just the same thing. If I blindfolded you right now, I'm not saying they're the same thing. I'm just saying they have similar attributes. They're fruits. You know. Mm-hmm. Go on. But I to answer Ben's question. Yeah. <laughs> in order to have a perfect pizza this coming from uh so I, i'm using the grimaldi's mold right i want it to be uh, that's a new york style pizza yeah it's a new, new york, york style, style big, thin, thin crust thin pizza um it's it's uh cook cooked in a brick oven high temperature for low amounts of time 
Um, I love to mix both tomato sauce and pesto on my uh, pizza. I think it's pretty amazing. Um, it's divine. I really like just giving the old throwback to every pizza with pepperoni. I like putting pepperoni on all of them. Dude, um, if you get you get a high quality pepperoni on there, oh yeah, fucking amazing. You're done. Yeah. Um, other additives, I would probably give maybe like onion. Um, I love jalapenos to be put on my pizza, and then maybe like mushrooms. Um, and then you got to get the parmesan on top of that. So, Chase, can I guess your perfect pizza? Wow. I think yeah. I, I mean, prosciutto's gonna go come ahead, into man. It, right? Paint me as Mr. No, generic. No. <laughs> I'm gonna say no, prosciutto is gonna come I into. Just, it. I know who you are. I've seen you go eat enough it. pizza. <laughs> I think I can get pretty close. All right. Number one, you're gonna put fresh mozzarella on this pizza. Fresh mozzarella is definitely on Chase's perfect pizza. Okay. All right. Now you're gonna be the guy who needs to add an herb. Basil pizza. Right? You say, I just get. Is it basil or is it oregano? Like, which one do you? I would say basil. It's basil, it's right? Basil, basil, yeah. right? So you put basil in your pizza, right? You no put basil do. on after it comes out of the after oven. it's out of the oven. I'm sorry, you yes. don't cook the basil; it burns the basil. Um, mushrooms. That being said, recently oh. I've changed, but I'll accept that. Now I'm more of an arugula guy. Hmm. Okay. 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 All can, right. That's fine. So that. green herb, dark bitter green but, herb. But continue. You're in the right wheelhouse. Yeah, mushrooms. On it, on the pizza. See, I'd say prosciutto is gonna go on it for the meat. Prosciutto's too. <sighs> See, that's why going I get... back to his Italian roots. This is. <laughs> it's got to be on there. I mean, prosciutto is a bold choice, though. I mean, is he gonna put prosciutto on and every? It's fucking... fucking tasty, dude. Yeah, prosciutto's great. I'm surprised I didn't put it on mine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I regret <laughs> everything I, mean, I just disgusted. said. I fucked my pizza. <laughs> but the order's already in. Um, <laughs> you're gonna put big old slabs of pepperoni on it because you're a traditionalist. You want pepperoni on your pizza. I want the pepperoni. Okay. That being said, is that the only meat you want on your pizza? I do a two meat pizza. I know you do a two meat pizza. Maybe like bacon. No. No. Is Bacon's too? too modern. Bacon's <laughs> too now. It's too mainstream. Bacon's too. Bacon's not classic Italiano enough for him. Okay. Okay. So to go back to that, you put basil pesto on your pizza, right? Yep. Yeah, you're a pesto pizza guy. And then you top I do it my, I do the marinara as well. Yeah, that's what I meant. But I want a it. smattering of basil pesto yeah, on You there. want it on there both. And you finish it off with a little bit of spicy Italian sausage. Close. Fuck. I think spicy Italian sausage is kind of gross because I hate fennel. Yeah, the fennel. And there's always fennel ah, seeds. That's what it was. God damn it. I was so close. But I will put sliced meatballs on there. Meatballs. I will put cloves of roasted garlic, and I'll put red onions on there. You got a perfect pizza. Yeah, perfect pizza's <laughs> done. That's a lot of ingredients for a pizza. It's a good dude, one. Dude, when I was at Giuliano's, I blew that place up, dude. <laughs> okay. okay. That guy just watched his tip go up as I kept telling him ingredients. <laughs> like a Samsung phone. Oh, yeah. He was just sweating. What else you want to add on there? Uh, I mean, for me, I go for a mix of the sweet and the spicy. Okay. Okay. What you do is you take the Hawaiian approach first. You get a God. spicy marinara on there. Okay. okay, you put a little bit of that uh, of the pineapple, right? Pineapple <laughs> on there for you sweetness. like a big chunk or like a small chunks. Uh, big enough to feel the bite. Okay, you know. Okay, um, you're gonna put bacon on there. 
Oh, okay. you're weirdo, going, right? You're Strange. Going, you're going wacky, Americano. Huh? Yeah, American style in here. Okay. Uh, you're going to put roasted Mr. Red... Modern Max. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, you're going to put roasted red peppers on there, too. Oh, yeah. Those are great. Good choice. Good yeah, choice. Thank you. Uh, jalapenos. Mm-hmm. A little bit of the extra spice in there. <laughs> Dude, every time we say jalapenos now. I've never said jalapeno jalapenos. like that. I've never <laughs> said That's the first time I've said jalapeno, and that's the second time in at least like three years. <laughs> holy pena. Yeah, holy pena for sure. Uh, that, you put a little bit of the red onions. I get you guys. Onions on there gotcha. for sure. And then you finish it off with, honestly, your choice of meat. Sometimes I put chicken to balance the chicken bacon. Sometimes I put fucking pepperoni. <laughs> Sometimes I put Canadian bacon. On that Don't too. say Canadian bacon like that. Canadian bacon. <laughs> Canadian bacon. <laughs> but as long as you have those core features, the main meat is just whatever you want. Sometimes you don't even have to put the you put something else on there. You don't even have to put meat on there. Take the bacon off. You still got a brilliant pizza. It's delicious. Try it out. That's my that's my pizza. Okay. Thank you for the question, Ben. This last question. Have another comes by way of Twitter. I was going to say that on the last one. We have another fucking question. <laughs> Bro, witty banter is blowing the fuck up. Jeez Louise. All right, let's hear it. All right, this one comes from Scott Dawson, who is at Scott Dawson. Or Scout, I'm sorry. And Scout Dawson is really cool. I've been Twitter friends with her for a while. She Twitch streams um, her paintings. So she she's a painter. That's cool. And she sells her art. And I've been following her for a while, and you can see her art constantly get better. And she is just on that grind, literally just churning out new pieces 24-7. Much like Hunter, you're always practicing your craft, getting better at it. She's the same way. She just recently did a canvas of the uh, the box art of Dark Souls, and it looked fucking awesome. That's sick. Nice. I wonder if she's she- like on Periscope and Facebook Live and all that kind of shit, too. She asks, if you could choose between world peace, but no change in diseases, or no sickness, but war still existing, which would it be? Uh, no sickness, for sure. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'd rather go no war. Um, Why was that such an easy answer for you, Max? Terrified of diseases. <laughs> yeah, we've covered this on a, on a super prior super scared of diseases. Obviously, I'm very fortunate. I don't live in a war torn area, so I have a whole lot of exposure to it. I will say that, like, to play the devil's advocate to myself, I would say you should pick world peace because then once everybody's like 100% getting along, you'll be able to cure you all can diseases work towards disease in no prevention. problem. You'll probably knock them out in like a couple of days. That being <laughs> said, that doesn't mean world peace doesn't mean that, like, doesn't mean everyone gets along. Doesn't mean everybody's. Doesn't mean that the the citizen is happy and the the government is like one hundred percent open and like giving you everything. While I'm right. definitely somebody who believes that like we can cure a lot of diseases now, but choose not to. Like, hmm. yeah. So I don't necessarily think that that goes hand in hand. But in theory, if everybody was cool, <laughs> just get world peace and everybody just cure every disease. Because I mean, did she say no war or world like? Like, is she equating no war and world peace? Because I think those are two kind of different things. I think she, I, yeah, I mean, for her, it's like if there's world peace, then there's no war. So Okay, because, I mean, I would think world peace meaning a lot of, you know, cooperation and reaching across and, you know, people being very tolerant of each other. Uh, I think no wars is just, there's just people not openly down with murdering each other. Um, but 
and I, I, I think that that would be preferable. I, I think, you know, I think we have science at least to combat um, disease, and I think that will continue to push forward. Um, but there's not really any end in sight that we're going to start being able to, uh, you know, cut down on um, the violence. I don't really know if that's going to ever really uh, come to a halt. So I would vote for that one. Hmm. Yeah, honestly, like when I first came to this question, I thought I was going to say no diseases because like Max, I just I'm scared of them. And I think going out in a way where your body is just self-destructing can lead to kind of more painful and arduous experiences of going out than war potentially could. War can still lead to some disgusting things, obviously. But um, that being said, you make a good point that if there's no war, maybe people are able to fix these things better. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's a really tough one. Hunter, what was your reasoning? Like, run me through that again. I swear, I I had something. I was piggybacking off something you said. I just totally <laughs> lost it. I mean, I was basically just saying that you know, science science is going to continue to move forward, but there's not really any necessary or necessarily any progress that will for sure fire um, be made in in the oh, side of this, violence and yeah. stuff. And so this is what I was thinking, like. If I had just the numbers of like how many people die from disease and how many people are dying from being in war torn areas or for fighting in wars, I guess I would pick the one that's causing the most death and I would eliminate that one. That would be what I would do. Okay. Which is disease, but, though. I don't. Is it? I mean, historically? I mean, maybe. Okay, I don't currently. Know. But that's like you can't say that. You can't take all the deaths from, you know. I'm talking about right now, you know, and attribute that to how many people die in war now, because statistically a lot less people die. I just think it's just sad that when people die in war, it just seems so unnecessary and that they're so far removed from the actual purpose. You know, they're just doing it because their country says so in a lot of instances. And with disease, it's like, that's just mother nature. Like you just got to dealt a shitty hand and like, I think I'd be more down to go out that way than to be like, you know, rooting for a cause where you don't even really know where the order's coming from or that kind of thing. Or you're just a civilian casualty. Yeah, 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 yeah which yeah. is horrible. Yeah, that's even worse. So you'd rather just be a death of a random event? Of yeah. a random act of nature? I think that would be easier to cope with, yeah. Just like, oh man, man, that... That sucks, but I'm gonna have to. You know. <laughs> oh, really? That's <laughs> the doctor's like. That's very callous of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Jeez. You took this a lot better than I thought you would. Yeah, dude. That fucking that sucks, dude. Not too. Scout uh, Dawson, thank you so much for your question and for rounding out our mail corner. Let's put some number on these beers. But before we do, I want to let the listeners know next week. We are going to be doing a review of Inside. It's a game that I've been talking about for many months now, and we're finally going to get the other two guys on this show to play it so I can get their thoughts on it. I'm really excited to kind of talk about it in an open way because obviously you've heard me say a lot of things about it. So um, if you want to review it along with us, and I highly recommend you do, uh, pick up the game. Uh, sit down with it one weekend and give it your attention and go ahead and get through it. And once you do, you can open up the episode the following week. And we're going to talk about it and have a good discussion. But until then, we got to put some numbers on the Haas Oktoberfest Lager. Max, what's this beer in your mind, man? Lead us off, expert reviewer. Yes. <laughs> so, 
Um, Live up to that now. I know. The Haas is a good drinkable beer. Um, I would say what stands out in it as it warms up. You kind of brought up pumpkin before, and it's almost like ingredients to a pumpkin pie. You know, like nutmeg, a little bit of like cinnamon. Those sort of spices are definitely in there. You know, not necessarily pumpkin itself, but like those baked goods, you know. Uh, other than that, nothing else really seems to boldly stand out other than the fact that it's very smooth. Um, not a terribly long mouth feel to it. It's nice. It's easy to drink. It does Oktoberfest <laughs> well. And, uh, I'll give it a good old fashioned 7.5. Nice. Thank All you. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh. Huh. Uh. I don't know. What's it going to be? I'll just start out by saying that was the exact number I was going to put for this. 7.5. Oh, copied the perfect beer reviewer. That's uh, so just to harken back to what Shay said, uh, he noted on a hints of cherry. That's what, the th- that's what I skipped over at the beginning of this uh, thing that was in there. There it is. That was in the website. He nailed it. Let's go, man. He said, yeah, it says uh, with hints of cherry and dark fruits. So Awesome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think... That yeah, that little bit of sweetness is there, and um, it's it's like it's like a interesting blend of like smooth but also crisp, and um, I think it's a pretty beer and it has a good mouth feel. I like that it's not incredibly lingering, and it is something that like if I want to sip on it, then it's accessible in that way. But if I want to throw it back, uh, it does seem like something that would be fun. Um, usually. When I give something a seven, it's like I give it a solid thumbs up, but nothing really stood out to me. And when I give something an eight, um, it's like this was this was really good. Um, and it's just in between there where like I feel like it didn't stand out in any particular way, but there's nothing that I really disliked about it. I thought it hit on all the bases that I would want from it. So solid 7.5 for this one. Alrighty. I'm going to give this bad boy an eight. I'm going to notch it up a little bit. Okay. And I just think this is a great Oktoberfest beer. Like, I, I, in this last sip I took, I kind of closed my eyes, and I was like, Chase, if you were sitting in Germany and you were drinking this beer and you didn't know that it came from America, you would probably think, like, yeah, this is an awesome German Oktoberfest. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what you want. You know, like, Great Divide Brewery is an extremely successful brewing company, and they do awesome stuff, and it's kind of no surprise that they put out a really good one here, but... It's crisp. I like that um, denoter that you used, Hunter, because, you know, that lager, it just finishes clean. The rye just kind of makes it warm and and bright. Um, And the spices that come through are they're there, but they're not like in your face. The beer is extremely drinkable. It smells sweet from that malt. It's exactly what an Oktoberfest beer should be. Um, I think why I'm not giving it higher than an eight is because I think it could be a little thinner, actually. I do actually want it to be a little more drinkable than it actually is. And that might just be preference. You know, that might just be my own personal taste. So I'm going to give this one an eight. That's why we're subjective on the show. Yeah. That has been episode number 77 of Witty Banter, which can be found on iTunes. Just search for Witty Banter. Hit subscribe. All of our stuff will come up in your download queue for free. You can also find our episodes on the website, wittybantershow.com. And if you have an Android device, we're on a variety of services there as well. And if you can't find us, just send us an email and be sure to let us know. We'll try to get wherever you're trying to get. 
Aside from that, follow us on Twitter. It's at Witty Banter Show. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Witty Banter Podcast. And I am at Bodacious Chase on Twitter. Max is at Probably Max. Um, that's all the plugs. Guys, thanks for a great episode. It was a long one, but it was a good one. Whew. Thanks, everyone, for the emails. That a was incredible. Long, late night, yeah. sleepy cast. <laughs> sleepy like cast. <laughs> I like it. All right, we'll see you next week. Bit o' pip o' Pit up a pit up. Pit up a 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 pit